I'm going to do something a little different tonight. I'm going to teach a lesson, but I'm not going to go through one particular passage. And we're going to do this, and I'll repent later from that. But as I was listening to all the different sermons or uh, um, studies that we've had this summer on the one another's, if you haven't been part of that series at all, we've been looking each week at one aspect of what does it look like to live in Christian community with each other. And so the very first one we started off with, if you can remember way back in the beginning of summer, is we said the foundation to having a relationship with one another is that we love one another. So the first one another we consider is that we need to love. And then we've, we've considered a number of other ones. Uh, pray for one another. Sarah spoke great last week on serving one another, um, forgiving one another. All of these great New Testament commands of what should life look like for Christians when they are together. And I think an important, I guess, quote or, or question that we consider in the beginning that I think we need to always kind of keep in mind is, is when people look at our relationship with one another, do they get a good picture of Jesus? My relationship with other Christian brothers and sisters should be such a relationship that when people see how we interact and rub shoulders together, that they say that these people are different that they actually are kind and courteous even when the other person has offended them, that they're able to forgive, that they're able to show love to people who look a lot different than them, to people who um, speak different languages. And, And not just, I guess, not just even one another, but period, right? As, as Christians, um, we don't just love other Christians, right? And I, I just like I'm like tempted not to say anything, but in recent news, if you look at all uh, the hatred and and the condemning, I mean, literally, I, I just I for the life of me cannot understand why someone would associate in good standing with the Nazi Party. Like, have we so quickly forgotten like the atrocities that they brought against the world? And so when I look at the stuff happening in Charlottesville, I think as Christians, we don't just love each other, we love, period, because Jesus, his love is so broad, so wide, so deep, so different than the rest of the world that as his people, we need to embody that. And then I guess I bring this up because I saw this picture um, pop up on my, my Facebook, of all things, and it was, like this, it was like this threefold picture. The first picture showed a white man doing a Nazi salute with a middle finger in the background. And the next picture was uh, the middle finger with the salute and a fist coming. And the third picture was the fist hitting this guy with the salute. And, and, and people share this out of, yeah, teach that Nazi a thing or two. Give him a punch. And I, 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 I just... I, I, stare at that, and I say, that's my reaction too. When I see such racism, such hatred, and such just um, horrible categorizing of people, my reaction is, I want to hurt you physically. But I, I just can't help but think, like, one, when has violence ever been the solution to anything? And two, I can't help but 
but think of as, as Christians that how are we to respond with such evil and atrocity? And I, and I raise up all these questions because as Christians, we always need to consider again and again and again what does it look like to live a life demonstrated the gospel. And so as I consider um, current events and as I consider just our youth group, I'm always reminded of the fact that how we treat one another is going to serve as a picture of whether or not people will believe whether or not Jesus is who he says he is. Love it. Good stuff. I can, like, dance to that. Times of two. I mean, I mean, technology brings so many good and wonderful things with it, but it also brings with it a lot of unfortunate things. Such as that. But. <laughs> so here's what I want to talk about tonight, okay? Here we go. Almost every lesson that we've talked about with one another has brought in this one application, being accountable. I remember hearing a few weeks ago when Sarah was teaching, she talked about one of the applications to her message was learn to be accountable to other Christians, living in accountability with one another. And so we've maybe have taught, you maybe heard that before, or maybe you haven't, but as Christians we say, uh, find an accountability partner. Find someone who you can share all the things that you've done poorly and wrong. And it's not, that type of definition maybe isn't the most helpful, but here's what I'd like to say. Learning to be accountable to one another is going to be one of the greatest assets that the Lord uses in growing you to be more in the image of Jesus. And what does it mean to be accountable? Right? Isn't that, can we just even try to think about what that word means? What does it mean to be accountable? Well, simply put, it means to give an account. And there's this unique quote that I came by R.C. Sproul, and I, I debated not even saying it because I felt like it was very harsh, but I, I felt like there was some truth in it. And maybe not some truth, but he says, to those who have no accountability in life, their life does not count. Because if we never in our, in our life find ourselves in a position to where we have to answer to someone or, or, or tell someone that I, I need to... to be subject to you or submit to you. Our life really is just a life where we live for ourselves and it doesn't count. And so here's the thing. As, as Christians, we can either uh, march to the beat of our own drum. I'm going to live the Christian life however I want to live it and I'm going to be the spiritual lone ranger and you guys can do your Bible studies and church thing, but I'm going to live my own Christian life like this. Or sometimes we... We are in the midst of community, yet we are so disengaged emotionally or spiritually that it really is the same as the person who's a spiritual lone ranger. And so let me start tonight by giving us a quote to think about. Uh, Chuck Colson, he says, Though I know intellectually how vulnerable I am to pride and power, I am the last one to know why, when I succumb to their seduction. That's why spiritual lone rangers are so dangerous and why we must depend on trusted brothers and sisters who love us enough to tell us the truth. In essence, what, what he's admitting here is he's saying, listen, I know my sin. I know what I struggle with. It is pride and power that I think I'm awesome. 
That when I have authority over people, I like it. I like barking orders. I, I, he's, like, he's admitting, he's being self-aware. I know this about myself. However, I'm usually the last one to realize when it's there. My wife, my friends, my coworkers can spot it out quicker and easier than I can. Therefore, those who are spiritual lone rangers, those who do not have brothers or sisters to depend on, are dangerous. And I ask the question, do you guys believe this? Do you believe that it's dangerous to live a life in which you are not accountable to someone speaking truth into your life? Do you hate it when your mom or your dad or, or whoever takes care of you has something to say against you? And so tonight what I want to do is just look at three aspects that we can learn or, or what, I guess, biblical accountability should kind of look like and the blessings that come from it. But here's the thing. I have three just because three is always the best number, number of the Trinity, I guess. But there could be a lot more said. But let me just take you through three different ways of which we can be in accountability to one another. And, and so by doing this, I want to look at different verses along the way that talk about each point. Okay, So, like I said, tonight's a little different. So the first point is this. We devote ourselves to one another. In biblical accountability, there is a sense in which I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to devote. Now, when you think of that word devote, you might kind of have this idea of devotion. But really, it's this idea that I am actually going to tie myself to you emotionally and spiritually speaking. And, and I think, in a way, as Christians, we like thinking that we do this. So let me give you an example. Here's a really well-known verse that I'm sure has come up a lot. I've used it a lot. This is Jesus telling his disciples the night that he was betrayed and before he died on the cross. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Right? And so I actually talked about this verse during our first one another. And in fact, it was love one another. And I said, love is the basis. Love is, is what Christ has done for us. We need to love one another. But here's the thing. It is really hard to love one another when we're not devoted to each other. When we come in and we throw dodgeballs at each other as fast as we can, when we kind of like each other's snap stories or, or Instagram feed, that's not being devoted to someone. And so the issue is that we can talk about all of these one another's, yet if we don't have a devotion or, or a, an attitude of being devoted to someone, we'll, we'll never really have the right context or the ability, or let me say it this way, the vehicle to where we can do the one another's. Let me say that again. Being accountable to someone, to another Christian, is the vehicle in which we can live out the one another's. So here's another Thing, another verse, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Imagine a relationship, any type of relationship. Maybe not a parent-child will know, but a friendship. 
in which only one friend takes the initiative of spending time. Only one friend takes the initiative of sharing their heart. Only one friend asks for prayer. Only one friend confesses sin. Only one friend, only one side of the relationship asks for help. What would that relationship look like? It would look very one-sided. It wouldn't be a functional relationship. And, and here's the thing. Being devoted to someone means that we are going to make this pact. We're going to make this, this truce that we are going to, both sides, deeply care about one another so that I am going to do my absolute best job at outdoing you and showing honor. You see... If we don't find accountability to be something other than a, a two-sided mutual agreement in which we are going to help each other grow in the gospel, become like Jesus, it won't really become an accountability relationship. It'll become a one-sided dysfunctional relationship. We are devoted to one another and we are showing love to one another and what we want to do is help each other stay accountable in running the race of our Christian faith. But here's what I really like about this verse. And here's what I think is one of the blessings of Christian accountability. Because maybe you, you hear accountability and you're like, man, that's, I don't want that. I just don't want someone where I just tell them all the bad things in my life and confess all my sins. And So, so here's the thing. God through accountability, transforms friendship into brother and sisterhood. Love one another with brotherly affection. See, I can't tell you how many relationships I've had in the church that started off as acquaintances, started off getting to know them, that became friends. And while we kept each other accountable, while we prayed for another, while we, we shared what was hard, when we shared encouraging verses to us, do you know what, do you know what happened? They became like brothers to me. Like when, I, when I think I moved here three years ago, I, I knew most of the people as barely knew their name. But when I looked to Riley in the back, and even to others I could point, but Riley, Riley's more than a friend. He's a brother. And I think when we actually learn to be accountable with one another, God can transform the relationship into something in which we desire their ultimate good. Which, I mean, when Sarah talked a few weeks ago about spurring one another up, encouraging one another, this happens in the context of accountable relationship. And here's my question. Do you have this type of devotion or brotherhood or sisterhood with other Christians? Are you intentionally fostering a commitment to people in this room? Some of us, I think we try. I don't, I won't, I won't let you off the hook a little bit. I, I think some of you have tried to kind of look around and, and, and maybe sometimes it's really awkward and hard and you kind of go up to someone and say like, hey, how can I like help you? How can I pray for you? How can, how can I encourage you? And it's maybe met with someone who maybe isn't quite ready and they... Just shoot you off or something. But here's the thing. I, gotta, I, gotta, I just got to tell you. I, I'm 28 now. I've been a Christian most of my life. 
And here's something I've learned. That being intentional and showing initiative is something that we must always do in the Christian life when it comes to developing good community. Do you want to know why? Because when I was in high school, I had great Christian friends. But some of them moved away. Some of them fell away from the Lord. And so I had to find some more. But then I moved. I moved to Chicago for seven years. And when I was in Chicago, I had some great spiritual friendships. Some great guys who, who prayed with, who, who talked about hard things. But guess what? I moved there too. And then I moved here. And I want, I want to tell you something. When it comes to life and, and becoming an adult, like life is a series of transitions. Life is a series of just people are moving on. People have families. People get married and all different things. So this is what I have to say. If you have tried to have this type of relationship, don't quit. Don't just say, hey, I tried to be intentional with my brothers and sisters, but no one wanted to do it. I think the Lord is asking us to continue through the changes of life, to continue to find this. Quick word about this, being accountable and relationships. God has made us different. And the the primary way I think he's made us different is by giving us genders. Um, There is a a real thing that we see in Scripture in terms of um, treating men with men and and women with women. And I I think here's the thing. There are a lot of things in my Christian life and in how I process that are only appropriate for me to share with other guys. And the same thing goes with girls. There there are things that that you struggle with and you have that you need to have Christian uh, friends and, and mentors in your life. And not to say that I can't have a good conversation uh, with the opposite sex. Not to say that we can't talk about the Lord and even encourage one another. I actually want to encourage you to do that. But when it comes to this type of accountability, where you're going to know everything about me, where you're going to help me, where you know my strengths, my weaknesses, I believe the Lord is calling us to find those relationships, um, guys with guys and girls with girls. So, the second point I want us to consider when talking about being accountable to one another is a really great point. Um, here it is. We can extend grace to one another in, account, in accountability relationships. So here's the thing. I'm not sure why this is the case. But maybe as people who are religious... Um, Maybe just even the evangelical church, we are really good at, listen, at pointing the finger. We are really good at scorning those who mess up, at showing disgust or even contempt at those who sometimes say a bad word. Um, I don't know what you think of kids at your school who vape or who drink or whatever, but if you've ever kind of looked at those people and you've maybe turn your nose at them, I think maybe we're on to something. Part of the reason why some of us don't like being in accountable relationships, or maybe part of the reason why some of us, when we're in small groups, we feel really uncomfortable and we like to give just kind of short, shallow answers, is because we are afraid of what people are going to say, but even more so, we're afraid of what people are going to think about us. We assume that people are going to be hard and point the finger. But here's what's so great about being a Christian. You guys ready for this? 
The, the, the great thing about being a Christian is that there is grace for every sin we ever commit. That when, when you are bought with the blood of Jesus, and by the way, I love the songs that we sang tonight. I love singing the words of the gospel. When a Christian shows grace in accountable relationship, they have a unique opportunity of reminding that person of what already exists with God. Let me say that a different way. You can never sin enough to where God will think less of you. God's love for you will never flinch an ounce. Like that song we sang, your grace, what is it, uh, what, what's, what is the, the words? <laughs> Washes over me, right? Just like that idea of like, I'm drowning in God's grace. Like it's just washing over me. When someone comes to you and they confess a sin, and maybe it's even a sin against you, when we show grace, do you know what we're doing? We are helping that person remind them of what already exists with God. Like, there are times in my life where um, I have little kids, and, and something will happen to one of them while, while someone's watching them. And I remember this, this one moment in particular. Um, someone was holding my kid and accidentally dropped them. Um, by the way, it is no one in this room, so stop, stop here worrying. And um, this person, um, other than my wife and I, got really offended and mad at the person who wasn't paying attention. Okay? And then when the attention was brought to um, my wife and I, we're kind of like, oh, it's okay, Th- things happen. Okay. Now, it, it put an awkward like, kind of like, um, moment with the person who was more mad than the people who really have the right to be offended. Are you, you kind of tracking with me? Like, this person's like looking at the other person who's yelling at them and scoring them like, listen, the parents are they're fine. It's okay. Like, and I think in the same way, when we see another Christian sin and we kind of point the finger and we scorn and we say, man, what were you thinking? It's almost like we are more offended than God. Like, we have a different reaction than God has. Don't get me wrong. It's not like God looks at our sin and says, not a big deal, who cares, you're forgiven, it's grace. That's not true. But here's the thing. When we are in accountability partner relationships, we have an opportunity for two things. One, to either show judgment, or two, to show grace. So I want you to think of this quote for a second. Um, or this verse. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather... Decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. And the context of that is really interesting, but I I just want to think about this first for a second. Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. I I, I think we are really bad sometimes, and maybe just some of us, I don't want to, it's all together in this boat, of just kind of like looking at the person who maybe. It doesn't come as quick, the Christian life. And we just say, like, man, that person. We're looking at the people who kind of skirt the edges of some of the rules that you're not really comfortable with. I'll be honest. Can I, can I be honest? I'll tell you. Like, my judgment is spurred up this week, okay? People who like to watch Game of Thrones, I just don't understand. I don't understand as a Christian how you can watch that show. Okay? That's one thing. But it is... It is Unchristian-like for me to point the finger to be judgmental. 
That's not going to stop me from talking to a Christian and, and showing like biblical passage after passage after passage why it's inappropriate. But I have a tendency to look at those people and say, Psh, lesser Christian. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Uh, this quote by this really cool guy named Unknown. <laughs> Although it is healthy to be ashamed of the sins you are involved in, don't let that shame become one of Satan's weapons to keep you trapped. Secrecy is often a Christian's biggest enemy, while confession can bring freedom. I say all this because some of you have never felt comfortable confessing sin. Some of you have never been accountable to someone. And, and here's what I have to say. Living in secret sin, living in a, a, a lone ranger type of Christian life is never going to lead to a Christian life that is flourishing and that is walking with the Lord. We need each other. We, we need to find people in which I can, they will hold me accountable. When I'm not here at youth group three weeks in a row, they're going to say, where the heck have you been? When they see me acting out at school and, and being someone who I know I'm not, they're going to say something. When I'm just doing something flat out stupid, they're going to pull me in and say, stop being stupid. To be a little more direct on that one. Secrecy is often a Christian's biggest enemy. Oh, how my heart grows heavy just to think about the secrets that are carried silently with the people in this room. This quote was a lot longer, but he went a lot into saying how helpful it is for us to practice confession. I remember a friend of mine, like in the recent years, even told me to go to a Catholic church and to go confess to a priest because of how helpful it can be. I didn't take him up on that, but he's just saying something about how helpful confession is. And so when we are tempted in small groups to kind of just give a half-truth, or when we do go up to a Christian and we confess sin and we kind of give them part of the story, but not the whole story, or when we're telling our parents the situation that happened, Maybe instead of trying to spin it a certain way to be heard, we understand that confessing sins is one of the most helpful things we can do. Last thing we can learn is that we can learn to be honest with one another. Sometimes it could be a hard thing to learn how to be self-aware. I think the older I get, the more I start realizing more and more about myself and how I work and some of the past things that have happened and why I respond in certain ways. But learning to be self-aware, I think, is one of the, like, the best things you can learn to do in the Christian life. Because you guys want to know something? The more self-aware you become, the more you realize how sinful you are. But maybe... We are still shameful of our sins that we only kind of share some of the issues with other Christians. So there's another quote here I have. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that verse. Honesty may not always be the best policy as a policy, but dishonesty 
is always a miserable policy, even when it succeeds. Now, it took me a second to kind of figure out what he was saying here, but what I think he's saying is honesty, it's, 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 it's good, but here's the thing. If sometimes there's, there's a truth in if we're being too honest, like if I told my wife every single thought I had, I think it would do too much harm. So honesty may not always be the best policy, like kind of like being too honest, but dishonesty is always a miserable policy, even when it succeeds Learning to be honest with other Christians, learning to be self-aware, learning to say, listen, although I feel shameful and I'm about to tell you that for the 400th time I've done the same sin again, I'm going to confess it. Even though it is hard to tell someone about the struggles that we've had, about the fact that I try to look like a really good Christian, but I haven't read my Bible in over a month. That I never pray. Being dishonest with our small group leaders, being dishonest with your parents, with your Christian friends, is kind of our go-to. We like to present a picture in which we are doing far better than inwardly and secretly we know we're doing. And so when I think of this verse in Ephesians, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. I just have to, I have to ask the question, like how many of us have learned to find other Christians in which we can just honestly tell them how we are doing? And here's the thing. It's not always easy to learn to be honest. As weird as it sounds, you might you just think, like, just tell the truth. But in a way, we kind of need to practice that. We need to practice learning how to be self-aware. We need to practice learning to say, listen, although I feel shameful, I know that Christ has taken my shame away, and I have every right and every confidence to share this sin with you. If God does not see me no longer as a, a wretched, sinful petty orphan, but he sees me as a child of God clothed in his son's righteousness, I can boldly confess this sin and learn to be honest. So in conclusion, what is the issue? What, what, is, what do you think the sin behind us avoiding, avoiding accountability is? Why, why do some of us Become isolationists. Why do some of you, when, when a leader in the youth group, or maybe your parents, or maybe a friend, tries to engage in the Christian life, you kind of just put up a wall? Why is it that it's hard to, to be fully honest with other people about our sins and our struggles? Why is it that we like to point the finger instead of show grace? And I think it's this. The sin of self-sufficiency. That we don't need anyone. I can do it on my own. Isn't that what religion says? Religion more or less says, just work hard. Just be a good person. Just follow the rules. You just, just, try to, just try to do what you can and, and God will take care of the rest, right? Isn't that what religion says? But what does the gospel say? 
Well, what is at the heart of the Christian faith? And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The two most important aspects of a Christian are humility and dependence. Humility shouts for help from God. It says, I can't do it on my own. I, I need help. And so God sends people in our lives the way in which God helps us to learn to be dependent on him is through, I believe, one of the means is accountability. The habit of sharing and praying with others will inevitably teach us how to cast our cares on the only one who can fully bear the weight of your sins. The habit of sharing and praying with one another will teach us to cast our cares on the only one who loves us with an unfailing love. This is what I'm trying to say. Learning to be in accountable relationships is the, one of the ways in which God can teach us to learn not to depend on ourselves, but depend on God, to lean on Him for support. God graciously reminds us that apart from him, we can do nothing. And one of the great means of that reminder are the brothers and sisters that he puts here in front of us. I don't foster an attitude in which I need attendance. I need you to be here. In fact, I was joking with Tara where she went. She takes role. They take roster. I just kind of say, a long time ago, Jennifer's like, you got to take roster. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, she's like, fine, I'll find people to do it. I'm like, fine, do it. I'm not going to do it. And she said this for insurance reasons, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> insurance. I doubt she'll listen to this. But why, why do I care about Christians meeting regularly? Why do I care about you being here? So that you can learn to foster relationships with other Christians in which God can use that as a means of teaching you to not depend on yourself. I'm just going to live the Christian life on my own. I'll figure out these issues on my own. All right, here's my, here's my direct word. Don't be naive. Don't be fooled into thinking that the Christian life can just be lived by your own effort. So, we devote ourselves to one another. We're devoted. We find people in which we say, hey, I'm going to stick to you like glue. I'm going to love you. I'm going to outdo you in love. We're going to pray together. We're going to share scripture with one another. We're going to confess sins. We're going to um, encourage each other to live for Christ. When we mess up, when we have failures, you know what we're going to do? We're going to extend grace to one another. And thirdly, we're going to learn ourselves to be honest. Because living in accountability is a way in which God shows us his grace by teaching us to not live for ourselves, to not just work harder, but to depend on God for everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you continue to um, bless us with grace after grace. Father, I pray that we would not neglect one of the biggest graces you have given us that, that oftentimes sit on our right and our left, brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray that we would not be isolationists in the Christian life, but that we would wholeheartedly seek out relationships in which 
that we can be invested into and that we can invest into others as well. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us each day that we are to not be dependent on ourselves or our own efforts. We thank you that Jesus was enough, that he was our good, that he died in our place as our substitute. And because of that, we know that we can have boldness and confidence even when we do mess up. So, Lord, thank you for your unending and unfailing love towards us. May it change us. May it overflow in our life and into the lives of others. We thank you for for this night, and we pray that you continue to spur us on towards loving good deeds. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.